I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you to patrons, including our very latest, Neil Fisher supporting us directly and thank you neil you're keeping the lights on for another month and just for the price of a couple of coffees you can join brilliant people just like neil and get access to our full-length show our ad-free edition you can listen and chat with us as we record live get our exclusive extra show extra message in fact find out more patreon.com forward slash uk tech Now, joining me this week, while Ian is out rambling, sitting in beer gardens, basically getting paid to do absolutely no work whatsoever, uh, it's the other half of the Langson brothers. It's Andy from CNET. Salutations, you spooky midnight creeper. How are you? Oh, I'm delighted to be here, of course. It's been some time since I, uh, I deigned to grace this podcast with my dulcet tones. Well, I do remember asking you on the show a few weeks ago, but you had some pathetic excuse... About moving house, it was something to do. Yeah, with. It, I was, I was, I was. It, you know, that day I was actually moving house, and um, and you were not, you were, you were not forthcoming with um, sympathy for my situation. Um, you seem to take it as a, of course, a personal slight that I, I, I chose moving into my new home over recording your podcast. Yes, I, I just assumed that if you had time to use the bathroom and cook lunch, I didn't, didn't do any of those things. Anyway, it is largely great to have you uh, back on the show, um, and thank you for for, for being here. Um, It's been a little bit of a slow news month as far as UK tech news goes, um, and everything big and global uh, is not necessarily what we deign to talk about every week. So instead, we've got a couple of items to, uh, to beat around the proverbial bush, as it were. And one of them actually has stemmed from Andy's recent move to uh, a new house in Scotland because Andy was struggling to get a decent internet connection. For how many weeks was it? Did you have to wait? Uh, I, it was delayed by seven weeks in total, which um, for an online journalist, photographer and video producer is um, uh, hell. It would be bad enough even if you were unemployed but Andy has moved to hyper optic, so like fiber to the premises um, installation of broadband. And the reason I was particularly interested about him doing that, as opposed to going with, say, Virgin, which I believe you were on uh, prior to, um, I was on BT. To... I have been on Virgin. Oh, BT. When I was in London, B- I was in BT. When I was in the other part of Edinburgh. Ah, okay. The reason is that uh, uh, one of hyper optics competitors, GigaClear recently finished digging up all the roads around our house here in uh, in London and installing its fibre to the premises. And initially I thought, well, how on earth are they going to compete with the likes of Virgin Media, uh, which is giving me gigabit speeds and uh, at a, I mean, what I felt was a reasonable cost. It's still very expensive, but it's gigabit uh, unlimited 
at broadband. And it turns out the way they're going to compete is by wildly under uh, undercutting Virgin. To put this into context, um, if I wanted to get a let's say a let's not even their highest speed, let's say six hundred meg down and six hundred meg up on this fiber to the premises connection will cost me thirty pounds a month. At the moment, I pay Virgin more than double that, and I don't even get uh, anywhere close to that level of upload speed. It's like sixty or seventy meg. Yeah. I get a gig down. But most devices are wireless and never hit a gig. Most of them can't achieve more than about 600 megabits. So it's really made me think, is it at the point now where there is enough competition to the likes of Virgin Media to get these uh, fiber connections? And you moving to hyperoptic instead of going with Virgin in up in Scotland made me think, actually, I might be onto something in terms of actually thinking about switching. So I thought... I would get you to describe your experience thus thus far. Well, I mean, I think in terms of you thinking about it, I think you and I are on very much the same page about about our demands from from the internet because of what we do. We we both uh, produce a lot of, of media. We both do. A, we're very like heavy internet users. We need constant, stable, fast connections, and I think it's important to consider whether that is what you actually need because there is choice now it isn't just a case of you 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 know you get whatever you can uh you can afford and or you get you know just you just have one internet connection um that's handed to you you know you, you can go to a lot of different companies for a lot of different packages um i could have had uh virgin media installed on day one we the the previous um occupier of this house did have virgin media we could have got a fiber line installed immediately um and it would have been fine we wouldn't have had those these problems over the last seven weeks but it was really a case of thinking long term we're like well okay we're going to have these delays. We knew we were going to have at least a month delay. That was not Hyperoptic's fault. That was Edinburgh Council who were being difficult about the um, uh, the roadworks in order to ins- literally install that fibre optic line into the house. It needed to dig up some of the pavement, some of the road, and as a result, um, they were like, "No, no, 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 no! You can't, you can't do this. We need at least a month's notice for like the proper paperwork to go through." Blah blah blah. Usual uh, red tape council nonsense fine i get that but it was it was a case of thinking long term about uh you know i produce a lot of video i upload in 4k maybe even in high resolution i upload a lot of images um so we, we it was really a case of being in this for a long haul this is the this is a place where i bought not rented it made a lot of sense so it was a really a case of figuring out what i needed and what was going to keep me going long term so that's important step one for everyone to really consider when they're choosing that connection thinking about what they actually really need um that wasn't really your question was it well my question was what your experience has been thus far and that's the experience of the installation and the reason uh you know what you had to go through in order to move away from the what would have been the obvious choice for, yeah, for many people that was why that was why we what that was why we chose it hyperoptic was a was a no-brainer in that sense um they offer up to a gigabit up and that is exactly what i needed and it did come with some issues as i say the council were, were difficult the first four weeks was on them after that there were various errors that um hyperoptic made one time 
uh, we were booked in for something to be done and just nobody showed up um on another then once the hardware had been installed in the house um the the router was all set up it was putting out a wi-fi signal and the guy says to me oh so yeah it just turns out it ha- hasn't been connected at the other end so yeah I don't know what that should have already been done i'm like yeah no kidding and this was a friday about 1 p.m and um I got free to the customer service um, team and they were like, yeah, okay, we're going to try and get this sorted. I said, you have to have this sorted today. I cannot have another weekend without this. I've got a lot of projects on. You need to make this right. Um, they couldn't. It was still uh, Tuesday before it was done, um, which was uh, very, very disappointing. But fine you know these things happen i get it you know mistakes can be made um i I put this out on twitter before i actually went to hyperoptic and i had a lot of very very positive um responses from people who uh are hyperoptic customers who would recommend it who would continue to be hyperoptic customers um the uh customer team that i was dealing with were consistently very helpful throughout even if their um you know their response was oh i'm sorry this isn't going to be done today it will be done on this day fine at least they're transparent at least they are you know it's not like I'm, I'm I'm trying to call and I'm on hold for 45 minutes and then I get no answers they were at least transparent in the process um, and how that happened and also in their defense they gave me six months of free service as an apology for all of the bollocks that I've had to go through oh, that's nice this. oh yeah it, they were great in that 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 did a long way I mean I will caveat all of this with with saying that they knew I'm a journalist so it, it, that, that which is the other thing it's kind of like being a, a restaurant reviewer and you go in and they they know who you are uh it, I, I didn't i don't know i cannot say for sure whether my experience is exactly the case that other people would get but as i say lots of people who i know who are not journalists on um, on twitter were very very complimentary about the customer service about the support they've had um so i think it probably is uh roughly in line but yeah and my my position is ever so slightly different in that i'm tied into an existing contract with virgin and you know to put everything on the table i think i'm paying 62 pounds a month for my gigabit connection but that's only gigabit down and it's about 60 or 70 meg up which is decent as far as the country average goes yeah but for example if i'm producing video at home that's destined for bloomberg and i'm shooting it in 4k and i'm uploading it into the cloud like we're talking gigabytes and gigabytes that ideally are time need to be uploaded immediately because they're time sensitive and it's news and so that upstream makes a huge uh, a huge huge difference and um but but i if i were to leave virgin media i have to pay a fee and they said it'll be about 250 pounds to leave my contract early because it would be a year a year early however i did some sums um and added up the cost of the next 12 months of staying with virgin and not paying that fee and the next 12 months of going to gigaclear um uh, at their lo- much lower rate of of less than half what virgin's charging even factoring in that early termination fee over the 12 months i would still save just over 100 pounds um and in doing that i would actually get basically the same wireless experience down but i would be uploading at 600 meg instead of 60 odd so to me it feels worth doing it's just that whole 
having to dig up your driveway to install that last little bit of that last little bit of cabling. Yeah. Um, is... to be, I think it's important to be clear, just to cut you off there when you were talking about prices, um, GigaClear has the same uh, the same thing that um, Hyperoptic does in that that £34 um, a month, which is also the same as, as what I'm paying, is for the first 18 months of your contract, after which it is, uh, I'm, I'm looking at GigaClear now, it's £64 a month. So it's basically what you're getting is a is a much lower introductory contract for 18 months it's huge it's not like it's three months and then it's 64 pounds it's still a very long amount of time but eventually it will become the same price that you are essentially paying for virgin now so yeah, but then but then there'll undoubtedly be be different offers down the line um and then it, i can switch to somebody else potentially who exactly knows? yeah um but overall you know obviously there's been a a, a few little bits of uh, red tape and, and problems you've had to deal with but overall has it been worth it for you Dis- getting- 100% worth it yeah getting you know the, the, the problems out of the way it was the right decision to uh, wait and get the better service it's like you know it's like buying a, a product buying something it, it, you buy you know buy cheap buy twice is, is a is a rule that I, I follow with everything i would rather wait save up a little bit more money and get something that's really going to be suitable which actually i think is something we're going to talk about with cameras soon Mm. um uh, and in this case it was we're gonna we're gonna be struggling internet wise for the next uh few weeks but it's a long-term proposition when we you know this is a house we've bought we hope to be in here for at least five to ten years we're going to want to make sure that we've got a really good service um going forwards so it mm. definitely was a smart move, and actually now it's in. Um, uh, so one of the things that I was planning on, on 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 expecting to have to do is set up like a mesh network in this house. I've got a a uh, like a period property. It's 160 years old, big, thick walls, and uh, I thought, okay, well, you know, a one router is not going to cover this house, and actually, we've got whole home coverage from one. Uh, from their one router, um, with with almost no discernible drop of speeds. Um, even when you're a floor away from the router, yeah. which is um, which is amazing, actually. So, who makes who makes the router? It's Nokia, actually. Really? Well, Class- I suppose classic that's Nokia, not even well, HMD. Nokia, Nokia. Yeah, well, I mean, Nokia still makes all the infrastructure stuff. Like that's kind of their their core. Yeah, making core networks. Such as, I suppose I shouldn't it. be surprised. So I'm used to hearing, you know, oh, it's TP Link or it's Linksys or somebody. But, yeah. Um, but Nokia, interesting. Yeah, Nokia, okay. Yeah. Well, um, if anybody else has had experience with either of these two companies we've mentioned, there are others. City Fiber, uh, I know, is is popular for the people that uh, that have it. Uh, I'd certainly welcome your. Uh, your feedback, your suggestions or ideas, you know where to send them to. But if you don't, it is UKTechShow at iCloud.com. It's time to talk about something that I think Andy lends a particular expertise to. Um, lens, yeah, Andy. Yeah, yeah, I heard it. I was just letting oh, it, I was, it. I was, I was just letting it slide. Ah, and uh, actually, that was okay. almost another photography pun. Uh, was it slide? What do you regularly take photos at fairgrounds? Slides, Nate. Slide like slide. For- Photography. Oh, I see. Uh, 
Mm, okay. Right. Uh, well, not, neither of those two were uh, particularly good, but that's okay because the following discussion might be. I wanted to talk a bit about the market for cameras. Uh, Andy, being a professional photographer and someone who's talked at length about SLRs and the benefits thereof um, over point and shoots and over mobile phone photography and so forth it was a good opportunity to see how things have changed maybe just over the last year or so we've had many more products coming out with uh two three four in some cases uh, and and eight in a rare number of cases lenses on the back of smartphones we're seeing apple deploying cameras that shoot in dolby vision hdr 4k uh we're expecting ProRes video encoding support on the next iPhone. We're seeing the Pixel 6, which I think has got a particularly impressive camera array as we're expecting. Obviously, Samsung's been doing some very interesting things with 8K and massive zoom lenses on its recent Galaxy products, and and Andy's been complimentary of, of many of those as well. But at the same time, we're seeing interesting developments in the SLR market and the higher end of the SLR market too, as a way of differentiating Uh, or rather providing a clearer reason for somebody to buy a dedicated camera versus one of the popular uh, smartphones that has a very good camera for a lot of people. So with that in mind, and as somebody who is considering purchases at the moment, you, that is Andy, I am not. I'm still very happy with my Sony a7R II. I thought we could check in and see what's exciting you in the world of photography and if there's any massive change in terms of the viability of professionals just continuing to use a smartphone? Um, The answer is it's all exciting, to be honest. I really kind of feel like we're still in this new golden age of photography um, that's been driven by phones. Um, I've I've got the uh, iPhone 12 Pro Max and the images you can take on this thing are incredible like genuinely you would not know that these were taken from a phone when you can shoot in pro raw the things you can do with those photos um in terms of spending the time in in uh, like processing them in in lightroom uh, using the same professional uh, editing tools i use in the right all my photography um yeah they're amazing i'm super excited about um uh progress in video and it's actually video that i think has been uh for me the thing that i've been debating most recently and that I've been trying that I've I've actually found to be very confusing when I'm trying to upgrade my equipment because I'm I am trying to upgrade at the moment my professional stuff for the most part as you know I shoot on a Canon 5D4 which is Canon's top previously top end um or pretty much top end um professional DSLR which is fine and it's been great until I made the mistake of borrowing from Canon when it launched an EOS R5 and I hadn't used one of their mirrorless cameras before um, but it re- when I when I sent that back and I picked my 5D up again I realized what a dinosaur it is this it's like a relic of, of a bygone era of photography it's for those twi- people just who aren't necessarily familiar with the difference can you just summarize the difference between between the fundamentals of the S- those two SLR and and the mirrors. I mean on, on a on a on a very top end level the things that you will actually notice is size and weight um, and they have a different lens mount um, uh, you know they they take photos in a different way um, in terms of uh, mirrorless cameras 
as the name suggests, do not have mirrors that flip up and down to help take a photo, but this is a little bit too deep for most people. Uh, they still just have a standard image sensor inside and they take photos exactly the same way. You still use you know, your aperture and your uh, your shutter speed and your ISO speed in exactly the same way. Um, but mirrorless cameras are smaller, they're lighter, um, and that is the big thing that I noticed when I went back to my 5D and I realized I'm car- every time I go shooting landscapes, I'm carting a huge amount of size and weight in a backpack um, instead of this one small, light, nimble camera. And it really stood out to me as things have moved on, things have, things have changed. Um, I wouldn't recommend people now if they are starting out in their photography um, journey but are really keen to get into it long term go mirrorless um buying these dslrs even though you can start you know you can get them cheap it is it is buying an outdated system which uh, not too long from now is going to be fairly obsolete um so but 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 let's think about it because the you know the iphone 12 or the latest galaxy you know they are technically mirrorless cameras as well you know they are yeah they are taking pictures in a similar way and that there's a sensor behind the lens there's no moving part other than you know things like optical image stabilization or something for yeah. the for the broad uh uh mass of people uh that is a small compact very good mirrorless camera so yeah. essentially if they've got rid of the dslr and you're moving to a a bigger camera that's just smaller than maybe it used to be is that still enough of a reason to consider that or um uh, you know over a phone you mean Yes. Yeah. Um, As someone who's just praised the, the the quality of pictures, the fact you can edit in these professional uh, uh, formats, and now with ProRes coming out, which uh, for for video people, it it basically means there's there's no loss of quality between what you're shooting and what you're then passing to be edited in a uh, in software, as opposed to at the moment where it's compressed, some quality's lost before you even start editing. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean that. There, there is still, a, there is still a, a difference. That gap is is has never been more narrow. But there is still a reason for um, certainly enthusiastic amateurs and pros to go with a dedicated camera. There is a difference in in quality on like a fine level. So if you are printing big, or you know that you um, uh, may need to crop into your image um, quite well, which is often the case in 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 landscapes and things. If you want to. Uh, sort of reframe a shot you have that um, ability to to do that there there is a difference in um, uh, like fine details and image noise and uh, phone cameras rely very heavily on their results with software like the big thing that's changed in phone cameras over um, regular dslrs is the software that's driving them it's why apple does so well because it makes the hardware it makes the software and it knows how to uh, make camera software where your photos like the auto hdr is beautiful it can really help um control highlights bring up those shadows computational photography is a huge uh, differentiator on mobile phones but if you are a pro you want you do big prints you want to um uh really have like the 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 best possible image quality then you're going to need to go to a camera and that's before we get onto um swapping lenses not all of the lenses on the back of phones are as good quality i love shooting with the on the galaxy s21 ultra they have a 10 times optical zoom lens um and it's it's amazing and it is great if for something 
light in your pocket you're basically taking a full kit bag of gear just in a phone but it is not as good as a dslr with a 200 mil telephoto lens on it and it feels to me then like the difference here is less about the physicality of the individual products and it boils more down to that a phone is you're relying on taking something maybe as best you can at the point of capture whereas uh, the professional cameras are allowing you much much more flexibility in post-production and in reframing and almost reshooting in a, in a in a sense uh, without that loss of quality which is something that a pro is going to notice much yeah. more or benefit much more from having versus you're taking photos of kids at a you know your kids at the beach or, mm-hmm. or or your daily your daily snaps yeah which is basically what the case was has been over the last few years like in that sense it doesn't seem like much has changed even though we're in these multi-lens camera uh, ecosystems now yeah and th- th- that is one of the definitely one of the one of the differences um certainly using like wide apertures on you know if you get a a beautiful like 50 mil prime lens f1.2 aperture on a on a dslr like the the results of that shots the results of that uh, like background bokeh is going to be wildly different to what you would see from a phone um when you look at those fine details it is wildly different um when i do product photography uh i i have done some examples of taking like great product photography with a phone and the sort and it's the sort of things that maybe if you were trying to do an Etsy store on the cheap, it's like, okay, great. I can, here, here are some tips. I can use my phone by utilizing lighting and staging well. I can get professional looking photos using just my phone. But for me, when I do more commercial level um, product stuff, it's always on uh, DSLR. I don't, I don't publish any uh, product work um, or uh, professional work in that sense um, from my phone. Um, on the other hand, though, just to cut in, because I mean, both of us on the professional side of things, I know that you've done magazine features for CNET where in print you used a phone. Yeah. And I also, on the video side, I do more video than I do photography. And on the video side, I have had stuff that's gone out on Bloomberg television that I shot on a phone yeah. of myself so it's not that it's a roadblock at all it's acceptable and people who are viewing those kinds of work uh, works aren't put off by the fact that the quality maybe is a little lower or, or, or has a different aesthetic to it it's not a problem it doesn't stop what you're doing from happening no and nor should it stop uh, stop you from uh, from doing it you know you can you can go out and you can have an amazing day taking photos enjoying the process of finding a beautiful scene waiting for great light hunting for those amazing conditions and finding those shots that really stand out to you and then you can take those with your phone and you can come back with some beautiful photos and certainly if you do shoot with uh, shooting raw which I think every phone supports now Apple Pro RAW or just standard DNG RAW on uh, most Android phones, then you can spend the time in crafting an image in much the same way that you would um, from a professional camera. Um, I think it's just when you want to take it to that next level, you want to you get even better quality, you want to have even more control, um, which 
on a pro level and a very enthusiastic amateur i think is is kind of where you want you would want to we would want to go to there are shots that i still probably i wouldn't want to get with my phone but i have also put many shots out that are taken on my phone and you would have absolutely zero idea Mm. A couple of things that have come up in the live chat while we've been talking. Um, Ian uh, B, not to be confused with Ian M, the vagrant who's not hosting the show with me this week because he's too busy having fun uh, <laughs> on holiday, uh, says, uh, when my wife does her triathlons, I do like uh, a long lens to see where she is, although in current conditions, I'm not sure when she'll do another triathlon. I hope that gets better for her uh, soon. Uh, and it, uh, But that ties into a point that John raised uh, as well, which is, Pat, Andy, do you use uh, moment lenses on the phone? Uh, I used to. I used to a lot more, um, but less so now that um, there are more lens options on the iPhone. I used to use like, either the wide-angle lens or their like add-on telephoto lens, which is they're effectively uh, like using a magnifying, just putting a magnifying glass in front of your phone. But obviously now we have phones with multi-lens cameras it's less important to to use that um i do uh sometimes i will use a moment uh lens for uh, a circular polarizer because um that can help cut reflections particularly on like water and cars and there is no other way of getting around that without using a circular polarizer what is um, a circular polarizer as i say it's a lens that cuts reflections so if you are um where I'll often use it, if I'm taking photo of, say, uh, a nice, um, let's say a rock pool um, at the seaside, and you can see with your eye into that rock pool that there are, like, lovely uh, starfish and anemones and nice colourful rocks and pebbles and stuff. When you're taking your photo, what you're getting is the glare of light on the surface of the water. So actually, you can't really see into the water. What you're seeing is just that reflection of light a circular polarizer as you turn it you will literally see that reflection disappear and instead what you see is fully into that water it cuts out reflections which is also mm. why i use it a lot on car photography because for the same reason you get a lot of reflections coming into panels on the car or the windows um, but by using that polarizer cuts out those reflections you get a really nice professional finish but that is something that you can only achieve using a circular polarizer so that is one of the occasions i use them almost all the time with most of my photography with my dslrs um they can also help like make the uh, make a blue sky look more blue it's a really it's nice um uh emb says like a polarized filter exactly like a polarized filter but with a circular polarizer you have the control um about how much of that polarization you apply um so yeah, that that's really helpful, but that isn't something that's on a phone, but that is kind of the occasion now where I will use moment lenses for my iPhone. So to sum up, it seems that advancement over the last couple of years have been made both in phones and their flexibility, particularly in post-production uh, and at the point of shooting, but also in mirrorless cameras and in things like resolution and quality and, uh, and, and video, uh, to the extent that the separation and the difference between the two remains as far apart as it has been it's just both have got better uh, and for most people getting those pictures out of the phone uh, is is still going to be uh, the best first choice but if you want to move into more creative works so you want to have more control over post-production you are doing obviously commercial professional stuff that's that's different than a mirrorless is the way to go but and maybe never have a mirror 
based DSLR uh, been less important to consider as as a purchase? Yeah, um, I, I I wouldn't really mm. recommend going for that unless you are just trying to get out into it. You know, you're taking your first steps, then you can pick up. Uh, more traditional DSLRs, um, I think, much cheaper now. And as a result, you can also probably get the lenses cheaper because that's the other thing. If you're upgrading, you need to upgrade to a whole new lens system. And that is, at the moment, what's holding me back. I have a very big uh, suite of of lenses, um, Canon L-series glass. You know, some of them are over £2,000 per lens. And if I were to change to a new system, if I were to get an EOS R5, I'm going to have to also buy new lenses because while you can get converters, you can see the performance is not necessarily as good. So it's a huge Why would expense. Canon do that? Because Why would they change the mount? I mean, I get because that there's the a size way, difference, but it's not that different. It's not the size. It's the way that how close the lens goes to the, the sensor because the sensor is now right at the front of the camera because it doesn't have that um, it doesn't have the mirror in front of it. So it's the way the optics are all positioned. Um so like physically they won't they're just not going to fit they're not going to work um mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. like they do they do uh sell a converter and it's decent but it will slightly change how um, how well it works so it's ideally you will use uh the mount designed for that camera which is fine but if i were to replace my camera and all my lenses i'd probably be looking at spending 25 grand comfortably in one wow go. yeah that's a hell Min- of a robot min- i mean they, minimum they should really have some kind of a trade-in system where where they've got the same lens with a different mount and you send the old one in and then you pay a small fee to uh you know to get the new one and then they can handle recycling or reselling the old lens well i mean cuts. you can you do that with no, places no, no, like no, no. mpb you just you just sell your stuff to to companies like I mean I've used MPB before so and and I and they're great you know they you send your stuff in they send a courier to pick it up and then they uh, examine it you get a good price and then that's it it's all handled it's very easy to do um, the problem I've had in upgrading is and I, I won't go into this for for long but man there are so many different options and it's it's really confusing and I've got to the point where I had to sit down with a spreadsheet and a checklist of here is what I really need from my camera here is um what I want it to do here is what I need it to do and uh, I I considered moving to Sony altogether thought oh if I'm going to change mounts maybe I could just move to Sony yeah do that then I can borrow your lenses yeah, but the problem is, is that I won't be. I'll still be using Canon glass, but I'll be using an adapter, a Metabones, in order to continue using my glass. And I'm thinking long term, that's not great. It just turns out, unfortunately, that as a pro, what I need, which is high resolution images, in body image stabilization, uh, 4K video, 120 frames per second video, those are the main things that I want, and a smaller sized body. That is a EOS R5, unfortunately. They do the R6, which is half the price, but that's only 20 megapixels, and that is nowhere near enough for what I need as a professional, um, particularly not with product photography. The more megapixels, the better. So you've got, uh, it's easier to uh, post-process your shots. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've used the five-stop image stabilization, um, Nate. Um, I have not, but then I haven't but, used an R5, and my I don't have five-stop on my 
uh, on my with Sony. the R5 with and with a uh, like a twenty four seventy lens that also has stabilization, you get about eight stops of stabilization. And I was able to uh, take a three uh, second long exposure image handheld, and it was pin sharp, and I was absolutely blown away. Um, so that that was that was my reason why i was like oh okay yeah i need to i need I, i'm living in the past with my stuff now i have to upgrade this is this is different now this isn't just like oh i like the novelty this is going to completely change how i shoot it's going to change how i shoot video it's going to change everything that i do so well i think uh, a little bit like uh, a, a, a a garden strimmer on a saturday afternoon we are getting into the weeds a little bit here so <laughs> If anyone has any more questions for Andy on this topic, you can follow him uh, on Instagram or Battery HQ uh, on YouTube. Battery HQ. No, I'm not. No, you're not. On what YouTube, you? it's Andrew, Andrew Langson Photography, and um, you know we're talking about photos. I have a whole. I'm going to shoehorn this in. Um, I have a YouTube channel that goes behind that. I go behind the scenes on photo shoots. I give tips and tricks and tutorials and advice and. Um, stuff it's not uh, it's not gear related you can go elsewhere for that but um if you like my photos you can follow my subscribe to my channel and see how i take them um and i always welcome people there to jump in the comments and you know if they've got questions about what i'm doing what i'm using throw it in the comments of my videos and uh, we can chat about it there as well brilliant and uh, any other questions for Andy, if you're a patron, drop it in the Discord or send an email to uktechshow at icloud.com. I'll pass it along, of course. Um, very interesting stuff. Thanks, Andy. Well, text message, as always, keeps you informed this week less about the British tech landscape and more about things Andy and I think are interesting to discuss. Um, but someone who does keep a closer finger on the pulse of global tech news is Tom Merritt, Daily Tech News Show in the US. Let's hear what's been happening in the wider world of technology over the last week. This week on Daily Tech News Show, ice cream made from real milk without any cows involved in the process. And it's good. I've been eating it all week. How tech has helped fans affect the content they love. Microsoft's retro feel when it comes to browser choice in Windows 11. Intel makes an ARM chip and TSMC is making an Intel chip. And why India and Nigeria might birth the next big tech superstars. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Well, thank you, Andy, once again for joining us. Um, you've already plugged your things to a decent extent, but as a bit of a reminder, um, Andrew Langston Photography on YouTube and Battery HQ on Instagram. Yep, accurate marvellous uh, and if you enjoyed this episode do consider backing us uh, this is to the listeners by the way Andy I'm not directing this at you uh, getting our full length ad free show listen live get extra message and all the other stuff that we talk about and bang on about every week um, people do enjoy it there must be something we're doing right you can find out more about what we may or may not be doing correct at patreon.com forward slash UK tech and Correctly. thank you everyone you're right. It, it, what we are doing correctly. You, you, you were right to correct me there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right. Uh, toodle pip. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.